Spy Talk, a podcast at the intersection of intelligence, foreign policy, national security, and military operations. Hi there, I'm Jeff Stein. Welcome to Spy Talk. Some of the biggest news from the war in Ukraine this week comes from the sky. First, there was the collision between a Russian warplane and a U.S. MQ-9 reconnaissance drone. Then came news that Poland was transferring four MiG-29 fighter bombers to Ukraine. Then we learned that a U.S. B-52 strategic bomber flew a very provocative mission along Russian airspace. All this was treated carefully by David Cenciati, the founding editor of The Aviationist, one of the world's leading chroniclers of military aviation news and analysis. Cenciati is a former lieutenant in the Italian Air Force, a private pilot, and a graduate in computer engineering. He has written five books and contributed to many more. We're happy to have him today on the Spy Talk podcast. David Cenciati, welcome to Spy Talk. It couldn't be more timely to have you on the show because we have this incident with the MQ-9 Reaper uh, reconnaissance drone flown by the U.S. Uh, and, an, uh, and a Soviet uh, and a Russian aircraft. Um, now, from your reporting and other reports, the transponder, the identifying transponder of the MQ-9 was turned off. It's not like the Russians can't see it. So what's the purpose of turning off the transponder? Let's say that this is almost standard practice for uh, that kind of mission. I mean, uh, there's no need for uh, uh, an ISR and intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance aircraft to advertise uh, um, uh, its position to the local radars. Uh, actually, we are we cannot be completely sure that the transponder was off. I mean, the fact that uh, the uh, aircraft, in this case the MQ-9, was not uh, uh, tracking live on flyradar24.com or any other flight tracking uh, uh, website or app uh, doesn't mean the transponder was was completely turned off. Uh, turned off. Uh, anyway, if this is the case, uh, uh, meaning that the transponder was turned off, uh, it's uh, the, the this kind of aircraft, uh, uh, these pipelines or drones. Uh, uh, operate uh, in due regard, meaning that uh, they uh, separate themselves from other aircraft uh, flying in international airspace, mm-hmm. uh, far from uh, busy airports, and so mm-hmm. uh, turning off the uh, the transponder is uh, pretty much, uh, I mean, standard practice. In contrast, uh, you also reported about a very provocative B fifty two nuclear-capable B-52 flying uh, over uh, Russian airspace uh, and up at deep into the Gulf of Finland with its transponders on. It was trying to send a message to the Russians. Yes, yes. They, uh, actually, it they didn't uh, uh, fly inside the airspace. Uh, I mean, the Russian uh, sovereign airspace. Otherwise, that would be a completely different story. Uh, it, it flew through the flight information region. It is that is to say, the 
uh, area of responsibility of the Russian, in this case of St. Petersburg uh, um, uh, Area Control Center. Uh, so it was uh, in it, still in international airspace, but you're right. Uh, they were flying, uh, in, the, in that case, it was a single B-52 flying with a transponder turned on. This means that uh, it was a show force. I mean, uh, they they uh, were aware a show of, of, being, force. Uh, uh, of tracking live on Yes, a show force. This is not the first time we have seen something like this. It was for certain uh, the first time that uh, a bomber, a U.S. bomber, flew that close to mm. the Russian airspace and to St. Petersburg. But not the first time that we we can track it online using flight radar and uh, this kind of websites. So it didn't fly over Kaliningrad. It flew near Kaliningrad airspace. Near. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It skirted the, the airspace, but it was not within the 12 nautical miles uh, uh, of the, uh, you know, the territorial waters uh, of uh, Russia, or in this case, Kaliningrad Oblast. Okay, now, when we first arranged to talk uh, on the podcast, uh, we wanted to talk about the new SR-72 spy plane. Uh, why do we need another new spy plane, given all the satellites and so on? And what and, and what's the advantage of this new or tell us about this new souped up spy plane? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, we cannot be completely sure it's actually a new one, meaning a recent one, because there's, uh, uh, you know, rumors about something existing, uh, probably the SR-72 or something like similar. Uh, let's say uh, um, a replacement, a successor to the retired and pretty famous uh, uh, Lockheed uh, SR-71 Blackbird. Um, this is, uh, I mean, the first rumors uh, probably date back to uh, the early 2000s, uh, but uh, in 2013, uh, Lockheed actually announced the fact that they were uh, working on an actual replacement to the to the Blackbird, the cold or designated, let's say, uh, Acer uh, seventy two. Uh, the need, the need. This is going to be uh, a hypersonic uh, aircraft used both for uh, strike, so it will be able to uh, deliver some kind of ordnance or to carry weapons and mm. also to perform ISR, to perform a reconnaissance mission. So to, to sum up, it's hypersonic. It's going to be yeah. much faster and presumably be able to fly higher than other aircraft. But the main thing I took away from what you just said is that it's also going to be able to carry weapons? Yes, yes. The uh, Let's say we uh, all we, what we know about this uh, project is based on uh, just a few uh, details uh, that have been uh, little by little released by Lockheed and then confirmed by the U.S. Air Force. So, uh, I mean, the the, uh, the, the, the details are uh, uh, not, not that many, but based on what has been provided uh, so far, uh, this is going to be uh, probably an unmanned aircraft. A what aircraft, please? An unmanned aircraft, uh, meaning that no pilot... Uh, uh, could see it inside unmanned the, an unmanned aircraft no pilot yeah mm. yeah yes, okay no pilot uh, and um also able to perform attack missions strike missions uh, 
And mm-hmm. the need for this is that uh, uh, flying at Mach 6, because uh, this is what the, uh, based on, on the information that we have uh, as of yet, uh, the aircraft uh, can fly uh, from anywhere more or less in the world and reach a target in, uh, uh, around the globe in uh, one and a half hour. Wow. This means that uh, this kind of asset uh, can be perf- uh, suited uh, to perform those kind of uh, mission critical, uh, uh, time critical missions, uh, meaning that uh, if you have uh, a very small window of opportunity to strike or to photograph uh, a target uh, uh, anywhere around the world, uh, you may need uh, an extremely fast aircraft to reach uh, that spot uh, to penetrate uh, a, a, an enemy airspace uh, and get uh, the result you you are trying to achieve wow this is really dr strange love territory so <laughs> uh, for example if we detected that the russians were about to launch an icbm at the us or uh, ukraine or so on we could shoot in an sr-72 to take out that missile before it was even launched is that the idea? Yeah, the, the idea is uh, is this one. I mean, uh, uh, the example is perfect. Uh, uh, probably the type of reaction may be a different one to an ICBM launch, uh, an imminent uh, uh, launch of uh, a ballistic missile. But uh, the idea is that one. Uh, if something, because satellites are extremely capable, but they are also predictable. So, uh, they cannot do. If we uh, think about uh, uh, the, the reconnaissance part of the of the uh, all the uh, variety of missions that uh, a, a so-called son of Blackbird uh, can carry out, uh, uh, strike is one of those, but also reconnaissance mission and uh, satellites are predictable. Let me ask you uh, about that. Why do we need an SR seventy-two, a souped-up or son of Blackbird? Um, when we were still flying the U-2s, um, uh, I'm not sure why the why the SR-71 was retired when we're still flying the U-2s. So um, why did we actually need this when we have satellites and U-2s and so on? What, what's Is it just because of the speed factor, like you suggest? Yes, speed is being considered, again, as a key factor in order to uh be able to penetrate uh, defend the airspace and uh, and uh, and unlike satellites uh, sa- satellites uh, are much more predictable meaning you can't it's not like the movies where you just move a satellite around in reality yes exactly a satellite has a certain orbit that's predictable yeah and station, yes. and 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 you you just can't move it quickly uh, to look at a particular target unless you're very lucky and you happen to be passing over that target. Uh, so you need a recon a super fast hypersonic uh, aircraft that can dart into say Russia uh, and take pictures and 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 record yes. elect- electronic intelligence over over the target. Yes, yes. I mean, uh, uh, as you mentioned, the fact that uh, a satellite orbit uh, is uh, known also to the enemy means that they can hide from satellites. Mm. Uh, But if you have a very small window of opportunity to get the picture or to uh, strike uh, a specific target, uh, a hypersonic aircraft uh, 
can do the, the job uh, because uh, it, it can reach uh, in one and a half hour any spot uh, all around the world. And this means that uh, you have something that can penetrate uh, an enemy airspace, get the job done and return without the enemy air defense uh, being able to counter that threat. And this is the reason why now high speed, hypersonic speed, speed in excess of Mach 5 are being considered uh, as a way uh, to, to achieve some uh, strategic results or also tactical results in the battlefield. I used to build uh, plastic warplanes when I was a kid. And if I were still that kid, or maybe kids today, want to build a model of that SR-72, that's a pretty sleek aircraft. Now let's turn to uh, other news on the warplanes front. Uh, we're just learning that Poland is going to transfer some MiG-29s to Ukraine, four of them. Uh, is that going to make a difference? What, what can the... Uh, uh, what what can those MiG-19s uh, do uh, in Ukraine to change the balance of power? Uh, I'm not sure they can uh, change the balance, but for sure they will help the Ukrainian Air Force and they can make it uh, extremely fast because the Ukrainian uh, already fly the, 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 the very same aircraft, the MiG-29 Fulcrum. Yes, I should have said, uh, said MiG-29, not MiG-19. Sorry, okay. <laughs> my, yeah, and uh, uh, this means that uh, they are uh, uh, they already know how to fly and fight with the Big Twenty Nine, and uh, so there will be their time to market. Let's say using their time to be proficient with the new aircraft is immediate. So uh, it will help them because. Uh, the MiG-29, along with the Su-27, uh, the flanker, the same type, uh, the Russians have used uh, to intercept uh, and bring down uh, the American, uh, the U.S. Uh, MQ-9 in the Black Sea, uh, are the, the backbone of the uh, Ukrainian Air Force. Uh, they carry out uh, uh, many types of missions, uh, from the air defense to the SEAD, uh, meaning the suppression of the enemy air defenses, uh, by integrating also some Western-provided weapons uh, like the AGM-88, uh, high-speed uh, anti-radiation missile, so they can attack enemy radars. And uh, this means that uh, they, they, obviously with the uh, war going on for more than a year now, they have lost some of their fulcrums uh, and having four more for sure it's like a way for them to replenish their stock and to be able to perform the various missions with additional aircraft so just to, to sum up uh it'll be used to suppress uh russian anti-aircraft uh and perhaps artillery uh, uh munitions they um, can attack using that kind of missile uh, they can attack the radars uh, used by uh, a surface-to-air missile battery to uh, attack, to, to pose a threat to the Ukrainian aircraft. So it's uh, an extremely important type of mission that is carried out in order to uh, create a safe airspace for the Allied aircraft, for other Ukrainian aircraft or, uh, to operate. So. Uh, it's something that is used, uh, um, it, it has been integrated last year, and the MiG-29, uh, it's also using, for instance, along with, the, with this kind of, uh, along with the AGM-88, it's using also the JDAM uh, extended range, uh, meaning a type of uh, 
smart bomb. precision. Yes, a smart bomb with the range in excess of 45 miles hmm. because of a kit, a modification kit that you can use on the, on the bomb. So uh, MiG-29 um, is being in some way uh, uh, upgraded, let's say. It can integrate the Western-provided uh, uh, weapons. Uh, and uh, having four more, for sure, it's better than not having because uh, they are... Uh, uh, there's a war going on, and the more they are always, they've been asking for more aircraft, for more jets uh, since the beginning of the war. So, can you can you can you foresee air to air combat, like what we call dogfights uh, between the uh, Russian and and Ukrainian jets? I'm, uh, we have seen something uh, happening already uh, every now and then. Uh, this is not. Too often, I mean, but uh, because the, the the tactic is especially for the Ukrainians to try to avoid uh, getting in a dogfight or being engaged from long distance by capable Su-35 or I mean the most advanced the Russian aircraft. But it may happen. So we have seen some footage coming from uh, um, Ukraine showing. Uh, some engagement. So this is something that can always happen. Well, we've seen um, the general picture has been that the Ukrainians have uh, outmaneuvered, outthought, um, outfought uh, the Russians, that the Russians are slow to maneuver, slow to react, slow uh, using uh, strategies that have not been effective against the Ukrainians. So the Ukrainians are far weaker power with far less manpower and so on. have been able to outsmart the Russians. Do you think that will or have we seen evidence of that in the sky as well uh, of Ukrainian pilots out outsmarting their Russian uh, pilots? Oh, let's see that. Uh, let's say that the, uh, in general, what we have seen, we were not expecting uh, probably in the beginning the in the Ukrainian forces to resist uh, and also to be able to uh, react to the invasion uh, and to fight in the same way that we are seeing. And uh, um, this uh, it's uh, something that uh, can be safely said. Uh, also, for what deals with uh, um, with the Ukrainian Air Force, with the aviation segment of the war, let's call it this way. So uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, what we have seen is that uh, uh, using uh, alternate airfields, uh, using uh, specific tactics, uh, also leveraging uh, the training uh, and the integration work that has been done in the previous years with with NATO and the Western Air Forces uh, has helped a lot the Ukrainian force to, to survive and also to do something more that is to be able to uh, strike back in, in many cases. Uh, probably uh, many analysts in the beginning were anticipating uh, um, a fall of Ukraine in a matter of a few days, and we are more than one year later seeing that uh, the balance of power is not reflected in the battlefield where the Ukrainians are able mm-hmm. to, are still able to resist and also to achieve some uh, important wins. Well, we have to take a short break here for our sponsors. Be back in a second. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, we're back now with David Cenciati of The Aviationist. How is the United States aiding or NATO in general, but particularly we're, we're interested in the United States aiding the Ukrainian Air Force uh, 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 maneuvers and strategies? Do we have Americans uh, teaching the pilots new tricks or installing new software in the Ukrainian aircraft or, or helping uh, uh, direct uh, Ukrainian airstrikes? Is there deep American involvement? Uh, this is something that's being debated a lot. I mean, uh, there uh, probably something, uh, you know, it's happening, uh, but this is uh, uh, the, the extent of the uh, of this the support that is being provided uh, is not clear. I mean, it's not uh, um, it's something that is kept uh, quite, uh, they are keeping a low profile. Low profile, okay. Of course, the United States has given Poland a lot of military aid, uh, and it's quite possible that the Polish are transferring uh, yeah. te technology and, and training uh, that they got from the United States to, to Ukrainian pilots and, and other uh, parts of the Ukrainian Air Force. Well, well what they are doing for sure, uh, NATO is uh, giving... Uh, and all the partners, uh, uh, including uh, uh, the U.S., uh, all the allies are providing a lot of weaponry. Uh, this is uh, uh, this means that uh, the AGM-88 uh, kind of uh, missile that I mentioned earlier, uh, the JDAM uh, ER extended range uh, uh, that I mentioned previously, those are weapons that have been provided we are there's been a lot of talk uh, in, in the past few weeks uh, about providing the abraham's tanks uh, there's a lot i mean uh, mm -hmm. that is something that is public uh, that is being discussed uh, announced uh, um, it's somehow on paper there are other uh, um, uh, things that have been in some uh, cases suggested uh, um, I mean, uh, there's someone who suggested uh, the U.S. or generally speaking, NATO can share some intelligence data with the Ukrainian that may have helped in the past uh, the Ukrainians to carry out uh, some uh, particularly daring attacks or uh, some particular actions in the battlefield. That part uh, is something that... Uh, uh, let's say, uh, has not been proven, uh, but uh, it's something that uh, it's possible. I mean, uh, there there must be a way, there is, there's probably something uh, in progress in terms of sharing intelligence data uh, with the Ukrainian in order to help them, uh, even though this is something that, uh, I mean, it's done um, secretly, probably, and this is something that is more difficult for us to to get a clear picture of. Does uh, do, do the Ukrainians have uh, the kind of aircraft? His name excuse me, escapes me for the moment, but the kind of aircraft that flies above the battle and coordinates all the warplanes during an attack. Do the Ukrainians have anything like that? No, they haven't. They haven't. Uh, all the, uh, the, the let's say the most valuable. ISR uh, or uh, airborne early warning aircraft uh, 
that you see, you can see on uh, uh, flight tracking websites, for instance, uh, or you may have heard of uh, these are all NATO aircraft uh, there uh, and they operate close to the border, but not inside Ukraine. And they can gather uh, data. They can have uh, uh, intelligence about what is happening. And that's the reason why they fly there uh, to look at the airspace, uh, but also to, to, to have a clear picture of the enemy order of battle, as it's called. Um, but uh, this is something that is done uh, from the NATO airspace, not inside Ukraine. The mm -hmm. point is that someone suggested some of that intelligence may be shared with the Ukrainians. Seems like likely, even though we don't have clear uh, evidence or details about this. So uh, NATO aircraft, surveillance intelligence aircraft can fly around Ukraine uh, uh, and off Russia and uh, uh, take readings on Air Force, Russian Air Force positions and flight patterns and so on, and can relay that intelligence to the Ukrainians so they know where the Russians are and when they're coming, where they're coming from. Yeah, this is something that, uh, uh, I mean, uh, uh, something that is possible, uh, even though this has never been officially confirmed, uh, as far as I remember. I mean, uh, uh, this kind of cooperation is probably uh, being done, being placed, uh, is something that is, has been implemented, let's say, but uh, we have no clear details of what is really happening. Uh, so uh, this is something that is difficult for us to confirm. Okay. But seems like likely. And finally, one of the reasons that the uh, United States has been reluctant to supply the Ukrainians with F-16s is that we fear that the Ukrainians might fly over the border into Russia and carry out airstrikes in Russia and embroil uh, embroil NATO in a direct conflict with the uh, Russians. Um, do you worry that the Ukrainians will use these uh, new uh, MiG-29s to carry out airstrikes in Russia? And what would, what would prevent them from doing that? I mean, the Ukrainians have not been shy about saying they want to take the battle to the Russians. What would stop them from carrying out airstrikes in Russia? Uh, actually, uh, almost nothing. I mean, there there have been uh, actions uh, done uh, beyond the, the borders, uh, right. uh, counterattacks uh, done with uh, helicopters, uh, with gunship helicopters, for instance. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, uh, this is a, a scenario that uh, we still need to consider the, the possibility for uh, an aircraft, uh, a fixed wing aircraft or a rotary wing aircraft like uh, an MI-24 to go uh, to, to carry out some kind of action outside the Ukrainian airspace, inside the Russian one. Because this is, I think that uh, uh, probably this is not going to uh, lead to a real escalation uh, for the moment. But this kind of threat is existing. Uh, and the reason why we have seen uh, anti-aircraft uh, uh, batteries appearing uh, on the rooftops of some Moscow buildings is the reason. It's just because of that. Because uh, using drones, using helicopters, obviously helicopters probably will never reach uh, 
uh, Moscow uh, taking off from Ukraine. But uh, in generally speaking, uh, the ability to carry out long-range uh, raids, uh, airstrikes uh, with drones uh, or other kind of aircraft, uh, this is something that uh, uh, is part of the conflict now. So this is something that uh, we need to consider. So uh, I'm not sure this can lead at the moment to an escalation. That, um, and what I've seen, generally speaking, uh, is that the U.S. have done uh, all what is possible in order to prevent uh, any kind of escalation. They have been quite clear in terms of, uh, um, for instance, not uh, uh, enforcing a no-flight zone so that no NATO aircraft or no U.S. aircraft is flying inside the Ukrainian and possibly clashes with the Russian one directly, even though we have seen that an actual clash uh, um, has involved uh, an MQ-9 and SU-27 off Crimea uh, in international airspace. But uh, uh, this is the what I have observed so far, the, um, the attempt to prevent in any way uh, any kind of escalation. So they are keeping uh, uh, the relationship uh, uh, there. They are still contacting themselves uh, so that uh, nothing can lead to a real escalation of the war beyond what we are already seeing now because there's war in Europe. And this is something that uh, has been uh, going on for one year now. And yet we are one step closer to an open conflict with the Russians and NATO uh kind of thing that keeps you up late at night <laughs> makes you <laughs> twist and turn in your bed yeah well david thank you so much for coming on the spy talk podcast we really really appreciate your expertise you're you're uh the top gun you might say in aviation <laughs> journalism and uh we're, we're happy to have you thank you it was my pleasure thank you for having you in your podcast that's it for Spy Talk this week. Hope you've enjoyed it, and we love hearing from you, so don't hesitate to leave a comment wherever you're hearing this. Also, if you haven't already done it, wander over to the Spy Talk newsletter on the Substack platform for more coverage of this and other intelligence-related issues. Just Google Spy Talk in my name, and it'll pop up there. Until next time, I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks for listening. For more original reporting and insights like this, subscribe to spytalk.co on Substack and follow us on Twitter at talk underscore spy. If you enjoyed our podcast, subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.